Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. Today's guest has been a college basketball player, customer services manager, and then after his daughter was born, he became a police officer with the Cincinnati Police Department, where he was a SWAT hostage negotiator. Wow, sounds all real major stuff. In early 2012, he was diagnosed with a rare form of melanoma, which presented on the bottom of his foot. By the time the melanoma was detected, which was on the bottom of his foot, so I can understand it took a time to detect. I mean, who would know it's something on your bottom of your foot? It had metatarsized, oh, I hope I said that right, I probably haven't, to a lymph node in his groin. After two surgeries to remove the tumour, he was put on a weekly injection of the drug interferon to help keep the disease from coming back. He took those weekly injections for almost five years before the interferon became so toxic in his body that he ended up in intensive care with a fever of 108 degrees. There were times he felt so poorly and was in so much agony that he prayed to die. Each day was a struggle to use his mind to override his body's apathy and distress. One thing he learned during all his pain and suffering is that you have two choices. You can succumb to the debilitating discomfort and misery, or you can learn to embrace it and use it to make you stronger and and a better human being. And he chose the latter. He realized pain and discomfort can beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. But he also came to appreciate that he could use his hurting and anguish to make him stronger and more resolute. He has recently written a book entitled Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles of Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life to help people find and live their uncommon and extraordinary lives. His hope is that people who read this book will lead a life of significance, significance, as well as a life of success. If there's one thing he's learned, it's that as long as you don't quit, you'll never be defeated. He is an awesome, awesome man. Welcome, Terry Tucker. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, Claire. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Oh, so am I. There is, you have done so much and, and you've been on a hell of a journey these last few years, a hell of a journey. Um, and I've spoken to you a few times before this actual podcast recording and you're just so upbeat so like focused on one day at a time and getting through stuff so like tell us a bit I've gone into a bit of detail in the introduction tell us a bit about like who you are and then like how you've got to writing this book yeah so I am the oldest of three boys you cannot tell this from my voice but 
I'm six yeah. foot eight inches tall. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, I, I got a brother. Wow. I cannot tell this from the video either because you're sitting down, but fair enough. Exactly. I'm good. <laughs> so, I, you know, I've got a brother that was, that's six, seven, another brother that was six, six, is six, six. And my dad was six, five. So I sort of joke, you know, if you sat behind our family in church growing up, not a prayer's chance you were going to see anything that was going on, you know, but our, exactly. our five foot eight inch mother was, was always the boss. You know, I mean, she was, you know, whatever she said, that's the way it went. Didn't matter how big, tall, strong we were, whatever mom said, that's the way it went. So I was very lucky to grow up in a, in a family where, you know, I had two parents and they loved us and they, they practiced what I call divide and conquer parenting, where, you know, it'd be like, all right, Terry's got a game over here. Dad will go to that. And Larry's got a practice over here. So mom will go to that. So we were always running in 15 different directions growing up because we were all athletics, you know, in athletics, we were all in sports. And well, you're all, uh, you, you're all basketball players, aren't you? Especially because of your heights. Uh, are you I not? mean, I was uh, my middle or my youngest brother was a pitcher for the University of Notre Dame's baseball team. Oh my and then God. My, my middle brother Jesus. was drafted in professional basketball, professional basketball circuit here in the United States. So yeah, two basketballs and a baseball. So uh yeah. Wow. Yeah, we wow. were all I, I mean, we were all over the place and that. But, you know, we started out playing, you know, football and running track and doing all that kind of stuff. Although I guess football for me would be different than football for you guys. What what we call football. We have AFL, which is so I'm English. Right. So okay, football right. for me is soccer. Right. Yeah. And then I came over here and they have Australian rules, which is what they call football. Yeah. Um, or we call football. I shouldn't say they, because I am part of we know them. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, ours is ours is like rugby, but with kicking in it. Yeah. And um, soccer is like just kicking without the rugby bit. It's yeah, it's bizarre. And yours, I think, it's just like rugby. Ah, oh, but you've got no, you've got throwing in yours. <laughs> yeah, we got throwing, and we've got every. I, I mean, it, it's just like mass confusion, you know. So, <laughs> Anyway, so so we you know we we played sports and then we kind of specialized. Uh, I went to college on a basketball scholarship. I went to a military college, um, graduated, and moved home to find a job. This was long before the internet was available. I'm really dating myself now, um, but I found that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's, the hamburger chain. Um, wow! In their marketing department, uh, unfortunately, ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as they helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother who were both dying oh, of different blimey. forms of cancer. Uh, you, you touched on my professional career, so I, I really won't get into that right now. But then I guess finally, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy. Wow. And fortunately or unfortunately, got my height and actually played college basketball at the Air Force Academy as well. And now she's an officer in the military here in the U.S. Crikey. Blimey. Okay. Well, good on her. Yeah. Good on her. That's awesome. Okay. So, so going back, so that's a quick synopsis of your um, like history as such before 2012. So then 2012 hit, and I suppose your life was just like chugging along. It was all good. Were you working as a negotiator then or? No, I was actually a, a girls high school basketball coach and I had my own school security consulting business that I did kind of right. in the off season when I wasn't coaching. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I hadn't. I I stopped at the negotiator. Um, okay, so you were doing that. Life was going on quite well. How old was your daughter then? Uh, she was in high school, so she was like fifteen. Fifteen. Everything was going well with your wife, and then suddenly, I mean, okay. So, and I said this in the intro, like you had a melanoma on the bottom of your foot. What what were you doing? Like, did you spend a lot of your time laying down with your feet in the air at this? Like, because we know melanomas as like skin cancer, like so. But like. It's on our. It's normally we get them on our faces. I mean, night and times, and we're like it's proliferate here in Australia. So we have to be very careful. Lot, you know, our kids are covered. Like my son, when he goes out in the in the sun, is covered in a rashy like down to his wrists. So only his hands are showing and below his knees, and then they wear hats and stuff like that. So, like, and it's on the bottom of your foot. I mean, how would you even notice it? Well, I had a I had a callus that broke open on the bottom of oh. my foot, right below my third toe. And, and you're right, you know the what we all think of melanoma is you know overexposure to the sun. But yeah. and I and that's what I thought. And then I get this very rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of your feet or the palms of your hands. And and then there's even a rarer form of melanoma that appears in your mucous membrane. So you can get melanoma in your nose or your mouth or something like that, but it's still oh melanoma. And, and the funny thing is, is, you know, people always ask me, I mean, especially here in the United States, we're good about, you know, who do you blame? You got to blame somebody. We got to blame people. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Who do I blame? How well, can you do that? Yeah. You got, you got melanoma. I, I mean, I had all a couple summers ago, all 88 genes that doctors either know or suspect cause all different forms of cancer. And I have no mutations in any of my genes, which begs the question, why did I get this? And nobody's been able to tell me. And I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it or worrying about it. I got it. I, it is what it is. Yeah, with it, and this is the thing. Like, I think earlier we were talking about the fact that I had a, um, a regular heartbeat. And nobody can tell me why I got a regular heartbeat. And it was like 50%. Like, so every other heartbeat was a regular right um and which is really high we all have irregular heartbeats at some time in our life but they tend to be around the five ten percent not the bloody great big 50 percent right and that's full-on right um but nobody can tell me why they can't go oh well you were drinking too much coffee or you were you know you've got to cut back on your alcohol or you were stressed at work or nobody can tell me the same as the same as you yeah and and you know but it was funny because people then would be like, well, OK, if, if you don't know why, so you must blame God. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, no. I, I mean, I sort of joke. I'm like, you know, I don't think God got up on a Tuesday morning, checked his to do list and said, Terry Tucker, cancer today. I, I mean, oh, I, yeah, tick. I don't think that at all. But, you know, people we, we have to blame somebody for the bad things that happen in our life. Sometimes bad things just happen. And, and it's all how you deal or process those bad things. So, yeah, that started my my 10 year odyssey through cancer. Oh my God, dude. Like, yeah. And, and, and at some point, like, so you had surgery to remove the tumor. <clears throat> I had surgery to remove the tumor on the bottom of my foot, all the lymph nodes in my grain, my groin. And then I had a skin graft to close the wound on the bottom of my foot. Oh, wow. So they really had to dig in there and like, oh, yeah, they were down to the tent. I mean, it was, yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay, great. So, um, 
But then it all came out and everything was fine. And they went, oh, look, you were given the all clear. Were you given the all clear? No, because no. one of the lymph nodes in my groin tested positive for a microscopic amount of cancer. So oh. that was the, oh, you know. And so my doctor put me on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon to help keep the disease from coming back. And, and the side effects of the interferon were that I had severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection. And I took those weekly oh injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for almost five years. And that wasn't a cure. That was just a, we're trying to buy you more time. That's all that was. Oh my God, Jesus. And then it got toxic, didn't it? This drug, then your body went, oh, enough of this drug. We can't do this drug anymore. And then you started to like, your body then started to like break down as such, like high fever. And yeah, tell us what happened there. Yeah, so the, the, you know, I, I went, through, I mean, we have all had the flu. So, you know, yeah, you had the fever, you had the nausea, you had the vomiting, you had the shakes, the chills, all that kind of stuff. So that was every week. And Jesus. then you're right, 2017, five years into this, I end up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which usually is not compatible with being alive due to, due to the toxicity of the interference. So I had to stop the drug. I could not take it anymore. And literally the cancer came back in the exact same spot <gasps> on my foot within a couple months of me stopping the interferon. And then in 2018, I had to have my left foot amputated because of the cancer. Oh, so that was 2018, 2019. It works its way up my leg into my shin, requiring two more surgeries. And then 2020, an undiagnosed tumor, kind of in my ankle area, um, grew large enough that it, it, it broke my, my tibia, my shin bone. And my only recourse right in the middle of the pandemic was to have my left leg amputated above the knee. And that was a lot of fun because that was literally my doctor had to get special permission to do the surgery. I could have wow, of course. nobody with me. My wife just literally dropped me off at the hospital and I was the only surgery that day. So that was certainly um, an interesting time in my life. And I also well, how it, it like, yeah, I, I love how you put it as though well, that was fun. And that's an, like, it, no, it's horrendous. Like you're on your own, like you're on your own in hospital. And I know what that's like, because when I went in, my parents, God love them, flew all the way from the UK to be with me because I'm on my own over here mm -hmm. to then look after my son while I went into hospital for a day uh, or overnight. Mm -hmm. Although it's not as though I don't have people here, but they're my parents at the end of the day. So, but they dropped me off at the hospital like you. Admittedly, there was no COVID when I had my operation, but they had to look after my son. So yeah. they dropped me at the hospital. Then they're at home, you know, trying to deal with normality with my son um, while I'm in hospital on my own. And it, oh, God love them. Like they have to ask it, but the, I was being asked every five minutes. So can you explain to us about your situation? I'm like, I don't want to tell anyone anyway, surely read my chart. Cause I, you know, it was starting to impact me having to keep going. And I'm sorry, I'm making you do this, but like, it was, having, no, it was impacting me. Like every time I told my story, it would like elevate the seriousness of what was about to happen. And like, yeah. And I'm very much about avoidance, right? So I'm very much about, she'll be okay. It'll be fine. Don't like, if I keep having to tell people, I'm going to keep thinking about it, which will 
make me worried, escalate anxiety, blah, 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 and all of this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so I just wanted to go, right, I'm in my little, I compartmentalized this. Thank you very much. Just go ahead and do what you need to do. And I, you know, and I, I don't know about, I don't know about the hospitals in the States, but, and I don't know about your mentality, but that was my mentality. And it's like, you're lonely, you're isolated. You're like, things are going through your head. I mean, thank God for iPad. Cause I just watched movies for the whole time I was in just to distract. I mean, how, and I, and I suppose we'll get onto this because like you then got to, after everything that you went through, then wrote a book, but how did you, how did you deal with that? No, I know you're a strong person anyway, with all your background experience. I mean, to a point I am, but, but I'm, you know, there's no S on my chest. I don't wear a cape and fly yeah. around with magical powers. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I have bad days and, and, and I, when I found out about this, you know, I, I guess I went through all the stages that we would associate with grief. You know, I mean, it was like, first it was denial. It's like, no, this, I've done everything right in my life. You know, I've eaten right. I've exercised. I, so I can't have this. And then you get mad, you know, yeah. and, and you sort of bargain with God. And then you get to a point where, you know, it's like, yeah, this sucks, but you have to embrace the suck. You have to say that, you know what? All right, this is going to suck, but these are the cards that I've been dealt mm. and I'm going to play these cards to the best of my ability. And, you know, people have said to me, well, you know, that's very rare. I'm like, why is it rare? You have a choice. Yes, you have you a do. choice to grab life for, you know, the handle of, you know, despair and, you know, pain and uncomfortableness or of hope and of, of light and of this is going to work out. You know, it's all it's all mindset. It's all how it you want to look at it. And I just chose not to be a victim. You know, I mean, people are like, oh, I feel sorry for you. Don't feel sorry for me. Now, cancer has made me a better human being. And cancer, I've also learned that pain can be one of life's greatest teachers. So, you know, yeah, there's been a lot of bad things, but I've learned a lot of good things from this. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that that's a good segue. So what have, so I'm, what have you learned from this journey? Cause I like it, it interests me like one in three people, I think is a statistic, but I'm not sure. One in three people will get cancer, right? I think is a statistic, uh, unless it's divorced, I don't know. But anyway, there's a there's there's a number. I think it's one in three that will get cancer. But like, um, so we're all gonna it all are touched by it, right? I think is the other thing, right? Okay, so cancer is touching one in three people at any point in time. So, um, yeah, I'll do it. Like your journey has been horrendous for the last twenty ten years, right? Um, what have right. you learned about it? What it, look, that this is thrown at you because like I think things happen to us for a reason okay I had the heart thing to maybe slow me down to tell me you need to look at your life how you're dealing with the work situation you've got another person to deal with the way you're living your life is not effective it is not a benefit to anyone um, and if you continue doing this, this is your warning, okay? Your only warning. If you continue doing this, well, see you later because you you don't deserve to, you know, have everything that you've got if you're not if you don't appreciate it, if you're not happy about it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's my take on it for my situation. But like, what did you like? What have you learned? So you know, it's funny because I had, in addition to having my leg amputated, and, and that's bad. I also found out. I have these tumors in my lungs and I'm still being treated for these tumors now. And I remember my oncologist 
about three or four months ago, he showed me my CAT scan from back in 2020 when the tumors were discovered. And I, I don't have any medical background, but I kind of know like, oh, you know, that's a kidney or that's, you know, so I sort of know where things are supposed to be. And I had fluid all around the, the pleural spaces, the outer spaces of my lungs. I had these big tumors in my lungs. And I, I remember looking at him and I was like, how was I alive? And he kind of shook his head and he's like, I, I don't know. But that said to me that, wow. you know what, God's not done with me yet. When I die, how I die, yeah. what, when I die, way above my pay grade. So I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying yeah. about it. But I, 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 what I learned, I guess, is what I call my four truths. And I mean, they're not mine. I don't own them or you know have a copyright on them or anything like that. But, but I'll give them to you. And they're, and they're just one sentence each. And the first one is you okay. need to control your mind or your mind is going to control you. The second one is... You need to embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty to make you a stronger and more resilient individual. The third one is kind of what I call a legacy truth. It's, you know, I think it's important for all of us, regardless of what stage of life we're in, to sort of think about the end game. You know, what are people going to say about us at our funeral? What, what do we want people to say about us at our funeral? So the third one is this, what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And then the fourth yeah. one, and we were talking about this before we started, the fourth one is as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. So I've learned those things. Those things are what I call, they're the bedrock of my soul. They're, they're a good place to start to build a quality life off of. And I, I tell people about them and I'm like, you know what? If they work for you, take them, use them, You know, incorporate them in your life. If one or two resonate with you, then take those and develop your own truths around them. These work for me. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I have it all figured out when it comes to, you know, dis difficulty and distress in our life. I don't. I'm still learning. But I think that's the important thing. We always got to keep learning in life. And I completely agree with you. And it's really funny because your point number three, which is about what are people going to say about you when um, when you go, It's it was really poignant I watched an interview I listened so I listened to a um and I, I'm nobody can see me do this but I'm gonna say I'm just looking at my my books that I have on my um on my system that I've got here um what is it called um blah, blah, blah. it is called oh Sorry, I'm, I can't multitask. I'm really rubbish at multitasking. Um, I'm looking at them because I listened to a book that was um, written by a singer, God Lover, and I can't think what the blooming thing is called. Um, sorry, I'm really um, – oh, her name is like Amanda – God, I've got so many books on here. She lost her husband, basically. She's a singer. She was, She basically influenced uh, – she she created her music by going on, um, like, fund FundMe sites and basically um, getting um, funding from those. Um, but she married, like, the love of her life. He was um, mm -hmm. a few years mm -hmm. older than her. And he died. I can't remember what he died of, but he died. And she turned around and she said the one thing that she realized after his death was that that was it. That was like, he's died. He's never going to do the stuff that he said he was going to do because he's dead, right? And so she sort of said, and she said it was a real 
like eye opener for her that she basically said he said he was going to do x y and z in you know two years time or three or achieve something right she well he's dead so he's never going to do that like and it was so final that she was like so whatever you do do what you say you're going to do now and you know if you want to set up that charity you want to do whatever paint pictures for a living or whatever do it because when you're dead you can't go, I'm going to do that next year because you're dead, right? So it's um, – and I think, you know, I mean, I think – yeah, I mean, wow. I, I Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like, it's about what do you, how, how do you want people to think about you when you're yeah. gone? And, and, and that's – Do you want to be the grumpy right. screech? Exactly. And, and, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you and I probably I, – I know I do. I'm sure you do as well. You know, there are so many people out there that live a casual life. And as a result of them living that yeah. casual life, their goals, their dreams, their ambitions become a casualty of that unplanned living. And I think if you, I believe that we're all, you know, destined to lead uncommon and extraordinary lives. And, and part of that is finding mm. your purpose in life, using your unique gifts and talents and living that purpose. And if you do that, death is not nearly as scary as those people that, you know, are like, oh, my God, you know, uh, yeah, I've got a heart problem. I've got cancer or whatever. I'm dying. And you know what? I never did anything with my life. Those are always the people that go kicking and screaming from this world. You know, they want another month or another year, whereas the people that die, probably what you and I would call peaceful deaths, are the people who did something with their life. There's a Native American Blackfoot proverb here that I heard years ago that I just love, and I'll give it to wow. you. It goes like this. When you were born, you cried, and the world rejoiced. Live your life. And I think those are the important words in this thing. Live your life so that wow. when you die, the world cries, and you rejoice. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and look, and I completely agree with you. Like, and I have to say to you, and I, and I don't know what your views and opinions are on it, but over the last, like, I suppose if I look back over my life, my 20s were very much about me partying, struggling and striving to build a career for myself. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to make money, get out there, enjoy life. And that was it. But it was all about me, right? That was it. My 30s were more about exploring, getting out in the world, but it was still it was still about me, right? It was still all about me, right? And then I hit my 40s. Um, God, it sounds like I'm going to go through all the way up to my 70s. But no, and I hit my 40s. And um, these last 10 years, because I'm now 50 this year, so these last 10 years have actually been a real growth period for me because I've been through some really shit times, right? Some really horrendous, some fantastic and awesome times. Like I gave birth to my son, which was just unbelievable because I never thought I would have a child. I gave birth to him at 44. There are times where I wish I could pop him back in sometimes, but, you know, hey, I think as a parent, we all go through those times. Um, but I love him to bits, and I'm so immensely pleased that I had him. And I also wonder in having him, he's actually educated and moved me. I like, I'm all about, and I'm, my joy and my passion is helping people. Like, it's about saying... Hey, you know, I know you're having a hard time. Um, how can I help you? 
how can I do how can I be of service to you so my beginning life was really selfish really all about me and then and my passion now is and I enjoy and love doing these podcasts because I get to talk to people like you have just had crazy horrendous but awesome lives and I'm hoping that people who listen to this learn something and and feel something and feel as though they can go on yeah. and continue. I mean, I, I mean I, I've always felt that regardless of where, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it is, that our life should be about service, about, you know, being significant. And, and significance is, I think, is different than being successful. I mean, successful is kind of what we do for ourselves. Like you said, you know, I want to be rich. I want to be successful. I want to be whatever. But, but significance is about what we do for other people. And, you know, I, I mean, if, if you are a person of faith, you know, do you serve your God? If you're not, I mean, are you serving your fellow man? You have unique gifts and talents. You have unique gifts and talents that nobody has ever had and nobody ever will have. And that's why it's important for you to find your purpose in this world and to live that purpose. Because if you do that, I mean, I, we, we all get hung up on death, but we see death every year. You know, you watch the, the seasons, you know, I mean, spring, it's great. It's flowers and, and you know, the summer and then things die. We see it. every. But when it happens to us, somehow it's different. You know, it's it's like, oh, that that's really bad. Yeah. How is it any different than somebody else I, I, or, you know, some other watching flowers die or the grass, whatever it is. Death is part of life, just like failure is part of success. You know, you can't have success without failure. You can't have life without death. Can you imagine if we live forever, how boring life would be? There would be like, hey, I'll get to it tomorrow. I don't have to do it today because I'm going to live forever. We're not guaranteed that as as you understand and, and as, as I understand. Yeah, no, I completely, completely. And um, and who knows? Like, and also, I have to say, because <laughs> I'm sitting here going, wow, this is getting a bit heavy. But I'm also going to say, right, who knows? What happens after death as well, right? Because none of us here actually know, right? Even the people who have had near-death experiences, right. right? They don't really know because they've not gone over that line in the sand, as it were. Um, so we don't know. We get, like, you know, if you believe in, you know, quantum physics and all of that stuff, we're all on, like, you know, the world is, you know, we're all vibrating at different like velocities and all of that stuff. And I don't confess to know very much about quantum physics although i would love to but i'm 50 my brain capacity is getting a bit old and flaky now but i love the theory of it all um and also i've got a six-year-old so i can't read too much about quantum physics but um you know i i sit there and go so okay that's fine but we all have a spirit in us we all have who we are in us right we all have you know we all think in a certain way and i look and i I don't know. I don't confess to know. I don't, you know, I'm agnostic about everything. Um, and that may change. Who knows? When I was a child, I was religious. I'm now agnostic. Who knows? I get closer and closer, you know, off the mortal call. Maybe that'll change. I don't know. And everyone's, you know, I don't have a view about whatever anyone believes. It's all good. We should all be human beings and live with each other and our views and all of that stuff. But um, I do wonder if, this soul, for want of a better word, in us, whether when we die, this soul, this this vibration within us continues in the world, but on a different, but we're on a different plane. We're on a, you know, I mean, there's various different levels, planes, whatever you want to call them. Um, 
so so yeah i mean we don't we don't know we, we don't you know we could be going on a fantastic we, journey this could be the shitty bit of life and then we can be going you know we just don't know and yet we hang on to this bit so desperately and this bit is just the little birthy bit this is just like you know this is like we're toddlers at yeah. this stage and then you know we go on to something that's we don't, we don't know. So you know, I, I, I had a nurse ask me recently what it was like to have my foot amputated and to have my leg amputated, and I, and I told her I said, you know, it, it certainly hasn't been easy. I'm still learning how to walk again with a prosthetic. It's you know, it's one thing when you're a little yeah. kid, you're learning to walk, you fall down. When you're six foot eight, you fall down, you get hurt. So you know, I'm trying to avoid the fall part of it. But what I told her was that you know, cancer can take all my physical faculties. But cancer can't touch my mind, it can't touch my heart, and it no. can't touch my soul. And that's who we are. This is just a vessel or a house or whatever you want to call it yes. to house who we are. So heart, mind, and soul, cancer can't touch that. And I think that's a very important point to remember in your life. That this is, you know, they can take whatever you want. That's not who you are. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So you've. what was the turning point for you then? Because I'm always interested in this. Like a lot of people um, go through what you've gone through, but none of them write a book. So what was the turning point for you where you went, I need to put all this stuff that I'm going through or, you know, that I've learned and all of these things to help other people. What was that turning point where you went, I'm going to write a book about this? Well, you know, it, it's funny. So, I, I mean, I, I look back over my life and and I, I do have have a, a very strong faith. And and so, you know, it, there's, there's sort of that old joke that says, you know, when we talk to God, it's called prayer. When God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia. So I'm not going to tell you God ever talked to me uh, no, that's okay. in, in any way, shape or form. But I think what God did, and I think this is kind of the way it happened, is people started to make the suggestion, hey, I'll write a book. Hey, I wrote a book. Oh. You know, and I was, I'm not a writer. I, I'm not a, you know, I, I'm, what do you mean I should write a book? And, you know, I think when enough people say things to you, you know, I think what, that's what God does. He puts people in your path and gives you a suggestion. And then it's, it's up punk. to you. Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, dummy, I'm telling yeah. you to do this. Hello. But, you know, you have free will. You have free choice. If you don't want to do it, that's up to you. And so enough people started to make that suggestion that, I literally between the time that I had my leg amputated in April of 2020 and the time I started chemotherapy for the tumors in my lungs in June of 2020, wow. I wrote the book. When, while I was healing from my, my leg amputation, I sat down at the computer every day. I already had the 10 principles because a, a young man had reached out to me in college and he said, what do you think are the most important things that I should learn to not just be successful in my job or in business, but to be successful in life? And I didn't want to give them the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those aren't important. They are. But no, 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 they are. But right. But I wanted to see if I could go deeper with them. So I spent some time. I wrote some notes and eventually had these 10 ideas, these 10 thoughts, these 10 principles. And so I sent them to them. And then I kind of stepped back and I was like, well, you know, I've got a life story that fits underneath this principle. Or I know somebody whose life emulates this principle. So literally during that three month period. I sat wow. down at the computer every day and I built stories underneath each of the principles. And they're real stories about re real people, about real things that happen. And that's how sustainable excellence came to be born. Well, it like, and yeah, like, I, and like I said to you, I'm agnostic. I don't know if that means I haven't made a decision yet or what. I don't know. 
But I do, I definitely agree with you in the fact that life throws these things at you. Like it's, it's very bizarre how, I mean, you know, the story I give is the fact that I couldn't get enough points to come to Australia. And I thought, well, that's it then. I'm not coming to live here. But the world obviously had plans for me to come and live in Australia, right? I, I, got to the point where you know somebody said oh get work sponsored do x y and z and like it was like so easy right <laughs> like i got a job somebody work sponsored me so it was almost like the world was going no 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 you need to still pursue this um and then even when i got here i was like oh, i'm so over this country right you know this is not and and the world was like no 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 give them a chance right and i turned around and i said to my then partner i said um if my life hasn't changed by the time I go home. So I uh, came to Australia in the February and I had a return ticket for the September. And I said, if I my life hasn't changed by the time I go home, then I'm going to stay there because I'm not happy here. And I'm really sorry, but we've given it a try and stuff like that, but I'm not happy. And I got, within that period of time, I got a new job. I uh, we got a new place to live. There was all these things that happened that basically, you know, the world was saying, no, 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 you need to stay here, right? This is where you're supposed to stay, okay? So yeah, and you know, and and well, obviously, I'm supposed to stay here. I've had my son, so who knows what the next chapter will be for me? But I just believe that we get moved and directed, and like this podcast, like. I thought it was a bit like Hummy and Hari about it and going, oh, nobody will listen to it. This is not like, but there was something in me that said, no, 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 you've got to do this. And it's very bizarre that you say about the book and like people, <laughs> people prodding you, go, you should write a book about yeah. this. That's wow. That's just unbelievable. So, okay. So there are 10 principles. I don't want you to go through all of them because the people need to buy the book and bloody read it. Right. But, um, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's no point in giving it all away right but exactly <laughs> <laughs> and you've got like so that you have your four underlying sentences that you gave us earlier okay but then i are your 10 principles different from those underlying oh cool that's all right then just checking just checking we didn't want to repeat anything so can you give us like a few of you know a couple of the 10 principles that we need to like go through and um, for our awesome life, our uncommon and extraordinary life. Sure. So, it, you know, it's fun for me as an author because whenever somebody reads the book, so each chapter is a principle. And yeah, so, and, and they're not in any order. Number one is not any more important than number seven or anything like that. So, but it's always fun for me as an author when somebody reads the book and reaches out and they'll say, there's always one principle. You know, it's like, number five was the one I really gravitated to, or, you know, number three was the one that resonated with me and stuff like that. And and I wrote all 10 of them, but there's there's one that, that resonates with me. And it's this, most people think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. And that's, and I know I've done that. I've done that in my life. And that's yes. why it resonates with me. And, you know, how many times have we wanted to do something? We're like, Ooh, wait a minute, maybe I'm not smart enough, or maybe I'm not, you know, I don't understand this enough. Or, oh. I mean, we all do that, you know, and that's thinking with our fears and our insecurities instead of saying, and we don't know, we don't that know. Gonna happen. Like, you know what, that would be a good thing for me to do. Like writing a book would probably be a good thing for everybody to do. I remember reading an article recently that said, at least in the United States, 84% of people in the United States feel that their either their life 
or their imagination, you know, whether it's a, a fiction or a nonfiction book, would would make a good book. But less than one percent of the people ever spend the time to write that book. So, I mean, think about that. Eighty four percent of the people think they've got a book in them. Less than one percent of the people ever get around to writing. So, th- so that's you know, that's one thinking with your fears and insecurities. Um, there's a chapter in there when I was a hostage negotiator with the police department about the importance of listening. And everybody's like, oh, of course, you know, listening is very important. But it's the importance of listening to understand as opposed to listening to respond. And we're all guilty of this too. You know, it's like, you know, hurry up, Claire, say what you're going to say because I'm going to get my two cents in. That's listening to respond as opposed to, oh, Claire, you said that. Uh, help me understand why, well, you know, I may agree with you, I may not agree with you, but if, if I want to understand where you're coming from, that's listening to understand. And if we would do more of that as a country, as a society, as a world, we'd be a whole lot better off than you know, uh-huh. just screaming at each other and stuff like that. So that's one. And then there's another one that I like that's uh, you are the person you're looking to become. So even, you know, I mean, you talked about where you were in your 20s and your 30s. Okay, let's unpack that one. That's like full on, like, you know, I mean, I understand the listening one. I definitely understand the listening one because um, God love an old boss of mine. He's he was the bane of my life, always returning reports to get amended and shit like that. He used to drive me mentally insane. But the one thing he said to me as an impressionable, passionate you know, driven like 20 year old, he said, always be the last person to speak in a meeting because you need to listen to what everyone else is having to say, or at least actively listen because your opinion is fine, but that's your opinion. And it may not be the collective and you need to understand what the collective's opinion is and understand why they think that exactly what you say. It's all about that listening. And, and also, and I know now it's a human being, like other people are human beings. It's all about yeah. them, their passions, their, you know, it, it, and it doesn't stop when you get older as an adult, right? It's all about no. you as such, you know. But, but so, think about, yeah. I mean, how many, how many meetings have you been in where this happened? Okay, there's a problem. The boss comes in, boss sits down, the boss says, okay, here's the problem, identify the problem, and here's what I think we should do about it. Blah, 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 blah. Now, I'd like your all opinion. Let's let's go around the table and, and hear me. Now, is anybody going to say anything different than what the boss said? Absolutely uh-huh. not. They're going to agree with the boss. Now, the better way to do that would be the boss comes in, the boss identifies the problem, and then the boss says, all right, give me some suggestions, some ideas. How are we going to handle this? That lets people say, okay, maybe my opinion is valued. If the boss just goes in and gives a solution, then that basically says, you don't really care what I think. You've already decided how you're going to handle this. So again, that's, yeah, I mean, that, that's a little bit of a management philosophy, but no, it's no, still no, the same I, thing. And I manage, so I manage programs of works, you know, multi-million dollar programs of works. And it's exactly what, like maybe when I was 20, I wouldn't have done that. I'd have gone in and said, right, you know, this is what we're going to do. But nowadays I go in and I go, right, well, we could do nothing. What are the options? Like, we could do nothing and what impact does doing nothing do, you know, and what are the other options that we've got? And it's about the team getting those options out on the table because those guys are going to be delivering it. I'm not delivering it. I'm managing it. I just right. want them to deliver it. Right. And they need to own what they're going to be delivering. The solution that they've got, they need to own it. I'm just the one who goes and tells people what we're going to do about some issue and that's it right so uh, i completely agree with you and it's it's more about collaborating as a team because if you have those guys 
in there feeling as though they're empowered and not being told to go and do something. And that's, that's as a human being, you're then going through those uh, Tony Robbins, like seven states of whatever it is, you know, where you actually feel as though you can. Um, that's, that to me is about creating a team. But okay, I don't want to deject from the other thing that you were saying about you are the person already of who you want to be. Oh, I probably said that wrong. So, but like, okay, let's unpack that because that fascinates me. Like, what do you mean? So, I mean, what are you talking about? I always felt that my calling, my passion, my purpose was to be in law enforcement. And my, if you look at my resume, my first two jobs are in business, which would be like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. And the the, the backstory to that was my grandfather, my my dad's father was a Chicago police officer. Chicago is one of the bigger cities in the United States. Oh, wow. And yeah. from 1924 to 1954. So he, and he was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun. It wasn't a serious injury. He was shot in the ankle. But my dad always remembered the stories that my grandmother told of the knock on the door of Mrs. Tucker, grab your son, come with us. Your husband's been shot. And so when I expressed an interest in following in my grandfather's footsteps, my dad was like, absolutely not. You're going to go to college. You're going to major in business. You're going to get out, get married, have 2.4 kids. Yeah. I mean, my dad had yeah. like, make money, yeah, be exactly. successful. My entire but don't get shot life out. planned out. Exactly. And what, yeah. what I, you know, I always felt I was a, a cop. I always felt like, you know, I was a policeman. And oh, so, funny. but I went down this road because my dad was sick when I got out of college and I had a choice. Well, dad, sorry, I'm going to go blaze my own trail. I know you're sick. Too bad. I'm going to do my thing. Or out of love and respect for you, I will do what you want me to do. And that's what I did. And, you know, I, I sort of joke. I, I did what every good son did. I waited till my father passed away, and then I followed my own dreams. So, you know, I mean. Oh, that's funny. But, but the thing is, he was only thinking was, of you as well. Because yeah, even as a child. He was being mean. He, was, he wanted what was best for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and also as a child, right? I would have imagined to be told your dad's been shot and like the, the trauma or the concern and trauma of that, he didn't really want to be told that you'd been shot or that your brothers had been shot or right. whatever. Um, so, you know, that's fair it enough. Was. He's trying to save you as a human being and also, I suppose, not deal with that trauma himself. Um Okay, but then you just buggered in, went into the police force anyway. Well, like, after he died, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was a thirty-seven, okay, okay. I was a thirty-seven-year-old so, rookie cop, which, by most wow. accounts, is pretty oh, old. That's very yeah, old to be getting into that line of work. But it was oh my, my passion. So, you know, I guess what I'm, you know, that's sort of an example of. I always felt I was a cop, even when I was in business. I always felt I was a cop. So you are the person that you're looking to become. I wanted to do that. It was just. You know, and, and so many people like, well, if I don't get it right now, we, you know, we're an instant gratification society. We want it and we want it now. And we're not willing to wait for it. We're not willing to hang back. We're not willing to keep our dreams alive. And I was, I was keeping that dream alive. That's what I wanted. And I knew someday I was going to get there. Didn't know how, didn't know when, but I knew I was going to get there. So you are the person you're looking to become. Okay. So, but with the police force and everything like that, right, did you then go, right, dad's passed away which is unfortunate and now i'm going in the police or did you was there something that happened to you that you sort of went right now i can do this well it, it was funny because i or was that always my your wife plan? and i had, had gotten married and my wife and i uh, had married me when i was a you know suit and tie eight to five monday through friday hospital administrator and i remember we were living in california at the time 
and and a a circular, a, an advertisement in the came in the mail, and I always threw these away. I never looked at. This was for Santa Barbara City wow. College, and and I, I oh, I'll look at it, you know, over lunch one day, and I look, and there, there's a class that you can take, and if you complete the class, you can apply to be a reserve police officer with any agency within the state of California. And I remember saying to my wife one night at dinner, you know, can you imagine broaching that subject? Hey, hon, this is what I do. This is what I want to do. Will you support me in that? And she was like, yeah, try it. Go ahead. Love so I would, I would, you know, I did it. I took the class. I got out with the Santa Barbara Police Department. I would work all week at my regular job. And then Friday night, I would come home after work, put on my uniform, go to roll call and work all night as a police officer and come home Saturday morning wow. exhausted. But my wife would say, you would have this big grin on your face. And I knew that was what you were supposed to do. And so, you know, uh, that's, you know, I sort of was able to, you know, put my toe in the water to see if I liked it and I loved it and I knew I would love it. Yeah. And then when we moved back to Ohio, I said, look, I want to do this full time. I want to, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be an undercover narcotics investigator. I want to be a SWAT team negotiator. I want to drink very deeply from that cup. Wow. See, I dabbled in it when I was 20. I did similar to you. I did volunteer police work in the UK and I dabbled in it because I wanted, finally or wrongly, don't, please don't judge me. I wanted to go into the murder squad. So I actually, I'm fascinated. (laughs) But this is maybe where my calling is, right? Because it was right back then. I'm fascinated with people, right? So I was fascinated with serial killers because my view is how do these people continuously murder like for pleasure? It's it's pleasurable to them. It's a control thing. It's and I wanted to understand psychologically why these guys do this. Because like to kill someone is not like it's it's a like I mean everyone sits and goes, Oh yeah, no, it's a like throw away comment and go, oh yeah, I could kill somebody. To actually look somebody in the face and do that is massive, right? And I just didn't understand it. And um, yeah, and I did it for a while. And then I went, I did it for, I don't know, about a year. And then I went, I can't do what you guys got hats off to you, but I could not do that because I would have had to have done it for three or four years. I could not have done that on the streets every day what you guys do, going out, dealing with domestic violence and all of those sort of situations, right, every day, idiots, drunks, you know, football violence, because I was in the UK and all of that stuff, so soccer violence and stuff, to get to the point where I needed to, to understand these serial killers and murder and all of that, because you have to do a period of time on the beat. And then apply to get into the murder squad. And you may not get in, right? I mean, you know, you've got to be a certain type of person and stuff like that. So I just, so I wasn't destined to do what you've done. I was obviously destined to try and understand people in a different way, but, um, or help people in a different way. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah. What you've said is sort I I understand what you're saying. Although, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it. Because you just don't think about no, it. No, you don't. But you're, you're right. A, a lot of people don't. You're right. You know, a lot of people let their dreams die. A lot of people, you know, have this, I should do this, and they never get around to it. And those are the people, like we talked about before, you know, that go kicking and screaming at the end of their life because yeah. they didn't do what they were put here to do. Yeah, they almost live their life in a laid-back, calm, fearful fashion 
Right. And then when it gets to the end of their life, they go, well, 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 hang on a minute. I haven't done X, Y, and Z. And no, well, why didn't you do that while you were still here? You know, like, hello. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, wow. Wow, 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 wow. No, that's fair. That's fair. And you've got 10 of these. <laughs> so we've only touched on three. I do. No, no, no. And I don't want to go any further, right? Because <laughs> I want people to buy this book, okay? You need to buy this book. I am going to be buying this book. Um. Can people use your 10 principles? And and I suppose the other question is, how do people use these 10 principles to influence their children? Can they do that? Is it is it really by living these principles? Um, then does it is it like monkey see, monkey do as such? Is that what you think? I, I mean, I think so. I, I think as a parent, you, you know, and, and have been, our daughters just got married last October and that, oh you know, and, you know, is is it's a situation, you know, people always ask me, you know, what's the most important thing? I'm a new, new parent. What, what, what advice would you give me? And I always tell them, remember this, you're the parent, you're not their friend. Yes. And, you know, you've got to make the hard choices. You, you know, when they go pounding up the stairs and slam the door and say they hate you because you made some decision, that's when you got to, you know, well, yeah, you may hate me, but I made this decision because I love you. Celebrate that. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Celebrate that because later on they will love you for yeah. the hate that they've given you at that point. Yeah. And I think these principles are things that you can you can teach your kids. As, as a matter of fact, my my publisher, you know, when I sent him the book, he he read it initially before he agreed to publish it, and he's like, you know what? All he's got like eight kids. And they're all oh you know, young and stuff like that. He's like, every one of my kids is reading your book. And I'm like, thanks. You know, I, he said, every kid can benefit from what you are saying here. And so I'm like, yeah, I, I guess the answer to your question is yes. I think any child, I mean, age appropriate, obviously. But yes, I think as a parent, you can use that to make your life better. And you can also use it to make your child's life better. Yeah, yeah. No, I look, I completely agree. Look, if people are interested in uh, getting the book, because, you know, we would love them to. Um, is it, where is it? Amazon? Is it places yeah. like that? Where do it's they get any, it? it? Pretty much anywhere oh. you can get a book online. All it the usual places. I don't know if you guys have Barnes and Noble. Is that a, that's a bookstore here? Oh, uh, as long as it's online. As as, yeah, yeah, you can get it online. It's <laughs> Booktopia yeah, and all of those can, sort of things. Can, I mean, it's available in, in an ebook form if you like to read that way. It's also available in, in paperback and hardback. I, I haven't gotten around to doing an audio version of it yet because that's. Oh, come on. Do the audio version. Expensive. That's what I listen to when I go out on my yeah, bike. <laughs> That's how I get. That's how I get half a dozen books yeah. done and podcasts and stuff like that. Because, like, I'll be out on my bike for an hour or whatever, which is what I'm going to do this morning. And um, yeah, I'll listen to a podcast. I won't listen to music or anything like that. I might have to listen to music when I'm running because running's a bit harder. Cool. So okay. So what about if people want to get in contact with you? Because uh, let's face it. Yeah, I mean, like, you're a fascinating dude, and um, and people might want people might have a few more questions or. People might be going through a similar sort of thing to what you are, and maybe they want to reach out and just go, "Hey, um, I'm finding it really hard, or whatever," and um, just asking about support yeah. mentally or whatever. Um, how do they get in contact with you? Do you have a website? Do you have like somewhere? That I do. I do. I have a I have a blog every day. I put up a a thought for the day, and with that thought comes oh, wow. a, a question. You know, maybe how you could apply that thought to your life. Uh, they're they're not they're not my thoughts. They're usually you know really right. smart people's thoughts. 
So, uh, you know, I, I put We're all I, smart people. We're all smart people. We are. Yeah, there you go. I like that. I, I mean, on Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which is usually a video or a story. But it's it's motivationalcheck.com. And you can leave me a message there. Oh, please. Wow. Okay. If you would like to reach out, if you're going through a tough time, I'll, you know, I, I'm, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you what I think and, you know, hopefully help people. And that's really like you. That's kind of what I'm about, yeah. making a difference in people's lives. Yeah. It's like a problem shared is a problem halved, isn't it? And all of those Absolutely. sort of things. And um, yeah. Like we don't all have the answers, but you know we might know somebody who does, or we're just there to support you as such. Well, you know it's funny. I, I one of the best books, and I'll recommend this to you and, and to, to your audience yeah. is is a book called Legacy, and it's about the New Zealand national rugby team. And there are some. I, I mean, I took four pages of notes reading this book, and 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 you would think that you know obviously these guys are, are, if not the most, certainly one of the most successful sports franchises in any sport, in any country of all times. And you would think Kiwi rugby team. Yeah. yeah. And you would think when they're looking to hire, when they're looking to bring on another player that they would, would bring on somebody for technical competence. I'm good. I don't know anything about rugby, but you know, whatever you do, that's what you're good at. And I'm not saying they don't, but the two things that I got out of that book, and I think this is important the two things that they hire for are one character. What kind of a person are you? You know, how, how do you treat, yeah. you know, the, the, the guy cleaning up the locker room after you lost? Are you mad? Are you taking it out on that? So character is one. And the other thing was humility. And if you think about it, how many times have we gone into a job interview where it's like, man, I, I better have all the answers to all the questions. What they say with humility is you don't have to have all the answers. You singularly can't that, that's okay us collectively us as a team we'll figure out the answer so character and humility are what the all blacks which is what they're called uh, the all blacks hire for and it, it's it was an amazing book i'd recommend it to you i'd recommend it wow. to, to anybody you know because yeah. it's, it's just it's packed full of really good stuff yeah i hate to say a cliche but there is no i in team so you, you know yeah Although some people might say, well, there's a me in team if you moved it all around. But rubbish, rubbish people. But yeah, no, <laughs> no, I agree. Like it, it yeah, yeah. And I, I know from my work environment, it's very important. The team for me is very important. It's not about me as a leader or anything like that. It is about the team of people that I have around me. It's about respecting. It's about being loyal to those people. Um, and it's about supporting them. And it's right. You know, at the end of the day, I'm one person. I don't have all the answers. You know, I have experience of being in various different situations and managing various different situations. But I don't have all the answers. That's why I've got them lot around me, my team around me. You know, in in fact, and I can't remember, and I'm sure you'll know. But somebody said, as a leader or a manager, surround yourself with people who are better than you because they make you look good. So, you know, yeah. that's what you smarter need. than you. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's right. I don't have the answers. Yeah. But that's why I hired you. You yeah, tell me exactly. what you do. You know, yeah. so yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Oh, look, thank you so much. It's like, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I, mean, I could talk to you for hours um, about various different subjects, but look, um, I've got to, <laughs> we've got to finish it somewhere. Um, otherwise we could go on and on and on. Look, one final question for you. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? 
it's a pretty standard question I ask, but if you could have a superpower, what would it be? I, I, I guess I, and, and I'll, I'll tell you the reason um, before I tell you what the superpower is. I, I would like to have the superpower because I would like to be able to help people have stronger mindsets. Okay. So I'd like to be able to read people's minds. Yeah, see, I've heard that before and I go, no, thank you. I don't want to read people's minds. Like, I, yeah. Maybe it's certain things that they say in their minds because I'm not sure I would want to, like, maybe it's my own insecurities that are coming out here, but I'm not sure I want to hear everything that people are saying. <laughs> but, yeah, no, yeah, I could You've got enough of your own problems, right? Like, I don't want your problems. <laughs> yeah, it's right? like, oh, really? Is that what you really think of me? They're smiling at me, but they're sort of, like, slating me, and I'm like, right, okay, yeah. thanks. I mean, I know you can't please all of the people all of the time, but, like, right. Jesus. But, um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I would, I would probably – yeah, I would have a different superpower, I think. Mine would be would well, mine be? would be taking away pain, I think. Mm. Because um there's too much trauma and pain in the world. I would like to erase all trauma and pain in the world. I think we'd be a bit of a happier place. We wouldn't have It would be, but I don't think people would grow nearly as oh, much as but, if you took away their pain. And this is and this is yeah, and and potentially you're right. Because you need that to actually learn your lessons and grow and move forward. So maybe my superpower yeah. is a bit rubbish. But, you know. I'm no, so, it's hey, but, if you're super, that's good. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I'm sort of sitting there going, yeah, but if we did that, then maybe we wouldn't have the Putins of this world who are like, you know, egotistical maniacs who go out there yeah. and try and, like, take over parts of the world yeah. that maybe they shouldn't do. And, you know, I the agree. Donald Trumps of this world that, you know, like – Love him or hate him, I sit there and I look at him and go, he's a billionaire, fair enough, he's got lots of money, but is he happy? I'm not sure he fully is. Money doesn't buy you happiness. And, and you're not responsible no, for making oh, Donald Trump uh, happy. No, you no, know, no, Donald Trump is, so you're right. I mean, I just think he's had so much trauma in his childhood with his, you know, lacking in so many different areas with the family that he's grown up in and we could face and look at the Kennedys for that as well I suppose yeah um yeah. you know all of these all of these situations and and really the Trumps and the Kennedys are no different from any other families that are out there that don't have any money as, as such you know we're all right. you know there's all various different situations and circumstances etc cetera, etc cetera, that um, we go through oh my god okay god, I'm gonna try not to go down that rabbit hole um have we solved the world's problems nah. today? Nah, but we've like, hopefully we'll help a few with your 10 principles and, you know, um, yeah, look, it's all about education. I think people need yes. to learn, continue to learn, educate themselves, face their fears. Um, I think if I'd have listened to my fears, I wouldn't have started this. I'm on episode 46 now. So I've nearly been doing this a year. I don't know who I've helped, but I don't really care. As long as I've helped one person, it doesn't exactly. matter. Exactly. I mean, and I, when I started, you know, I started back, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago on podcasts and somebody said, would you be on my podcast? And I was like, what's a podcast? I had no idea. I, I did. I'm like, I, I don't know what that means. And I was so nervous. I had I had notes all around the camera, you know. Uh -huh. And so you'd ask me a question and I'd be like, let me read my notes. Yeah, I was I was terrible, but I've probably uh -huh. done over 400 podcasts now all around the yeah. world. And, and it's, you know, I don't know who I've touched, but some people I do know. I mean, some people have reached out to me and said, yeah. you made a difference in my life. So 
That's what yeah. it's about. Which is awesome. Yeah. Which is what it's about. And um, yeah, my first podcast, I was sweaty palms and I was so nervous. <laughs> and the poor guy I interviewed, I was so like, oh, 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 oh. and now it's just a conversation. It's like I'm yeah. sitting across the coffee table with you, although you're in the States. And, you know, we're just having a conversation. I'm drinking a coffee and it's all good. It's it great. is. It's perfect. I know. It's brilliant. Right. Okay. I am going to let you go because it's evening time where you are. Um, it's daytime where I am. So I've still got the full day. You're Thursday night. I'm Friday. So, you know, there's nothing like that in the world. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully we can get you back. Maybe we'll get you back, get some feedback. And I would love back. to. And um, keep doing what you're doing. Um, I think it's awesome. Keep doing. You too. Don't quit. And thank you very much for having me. Because then you'll never be defeated, okay? I love oh. that saying. I think that's awesome. I'm going to write that on my wall because I think it's brilliant. No, I think it's brilliant because I'm always saying to my son, yeah. like, it's, let's just think about a different way that we can do it. Don't quit, but you, you maybe can't do it that way. So let's, yeah. But that's just awesome. That's awesome. Right. Thank you for that. Um, Cool. So, look, I'm going to say have a fantastic evening and a great weekend because I'm not going to – it's like you're on Thursday, but I won't speak to you tomorrow. Right. I'm going to have a great day and an awesome weekend too. Do that. Do that. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Thanks, Terry. It's been awesome. Cheers. See you later. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.